space. The wondrous realm full of adventure and peril and, uh, bigness. Welcome to Now Playing Podcast review of Ratchet and Clank. I am on a mission of galactic importance. Galactic importance. <laughs> you must have ruptured your CPU. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. We're going to have so much fun. Hosted by Arnie. I do bring a certain level of zing to the table, don't I? Justin. Prepare to be blown away by my epic humility. And Stuart. One minute I'm laughing hysterically. Then next minute I'm laughing maniacally. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Anyone else feel like we should have shot something by now? Because it really feels like we should have shot something by now. Thank you. Listener discretion is advised. All right, pal, you ready? It is about to get real. Today we're discussing Ratchet and Clank, starring Paul Giamatti, John Goodman, Bella Thorne, Rosario Dawson, Jim Ward, with James Arnold Taylor, David Kane, and Sylvester Stallone, directed by Kevin Monroe. This is the now playing co-host, ready to kick some asteroid, Arnie. And Stuart. And this is Justin. Welcome back, video gamers, to a movie that has a respectable budget. <laughs> it cost $20 million to make. Respectable names behind the microphones. Giamatti, Goodman, Stallone. I don't know why you'd ever hire Sylvester Stallone for voice work, but they did. <laughs> yeah, respectable. Do we have respect anymore? Like, why do we keep doing these animated things? When did I become the kids' show reviewer? <laughs> I feel like this year particularly has been punishing. With all those 21 Pokemon movies I watched, two Angry Birds. I mean, two... Well, you're the one who flushed your children after Mutant Ninja Turtles. You could have used them this year. Mm-hmm. But when you're adapting video games to film, not all of them are going to be hard R-rated Doom. Sometimes you're going to get ones that are aimed at all audiences, like Super Mario Brothers, or in this case, if you're going to take a 3D animated style game and put it in a movie, why not make it a 3D animated movie? All right, let's start with the game, because I've never ever heard of these characters there's a game series called ratchet and clank yeah i mean it was a playstation 2 game that came out back i think 2002 or so and it's one of these games that like i remember it i played it a little bit i know my son played it he was about seven or eight at the time and it was more his speed and it looked pretty good at the time as far as graphics went but it kind of lives in my brain in the same space as like toe jam and earl and earthworm jim <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, C-list arcade characters. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's exactly where it was for me. I was aware of Ratchet and Clank because it came out on the PlayStation 2, and it was one of the big games out there when I bought a PlayStation 2, but I wasn't really interested in it. I mean, PlayStation was trying to get their Mario. I mean, Sega had Sonic, and Nintendo had Mario and Zelda. PlayStation was looking to have their own family-friendly game, and Ratchet & Clank seems to be the one that took off. I was surprised that it only came out in 02, because as 
people who have listened to this video game series know, that's around the time I started to get out of video games a little bit, and I especially not played too many console games, but this was never ported to PC. I hadn't played any of these, though, and I actually had to go on a mission because I knew they had remade the original 2002 Ratchet and Clank in 2016 for the PlayStation 4 for this movie where they incorporated footage from the movie and changed plots and changed everything, but called it like a remake of the original game. Well, I don't have a PlayStation 2 at the ready. They didn't make this game for anything except PlayStation 3. They did do a graphics update for PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita, which is the Sega Game Gear of handhelds for the new millennium nobody bought a vita this is a failed system Mm -mm. yet i am now the proud owner of a vita not the movie but living la vita loca are (laughs) you i've had that in my head ever since buying the damn thing (laughs) is that the one with the little mini discs no it has little cartridges and everything i got i pretty much downloaded from the playstation store they do not have a lot of games And most of what they have, because it was a bigger hit in Japan, seemed to be some PG-13 rated anime swimsuit stuff in the PlayStation Store that I do not want to go down. But yeah, I was able to get the original Ratchet & Clank trilogy for this. And damn, what a fun game that original 2002 game is. I sometimes play games for this video game retrospective. I'm like, ah, what is this postal shit? (laughs) But with Ratchet and Clank, I kind of went in a little reluctant and ended up having a hell of a fun time. The gameplay, Stuart, I know this isn't going to mean a lot to you, but Justin, you'll probably get it. The Lego games ripped this off. Oh, all right. It's a 3D platformer where you run around and you smash boxes and you shoot creatures And every time you do, bolts and nuts fall out of them. You know, like his name is Ratchet, so you get the bolts and pick them up. Just like in the Lego games, you get the Lego bricks. And then when you get enough bolts, you can buy more guns and buy more ammo. It is exactly like those Lego games. Only one of the fun things about the Lego games is you also, like I've played the Star Wars ones, the Batman ones. You get this slew of different characters you can play. Here, you play as Ratchet and Clank is a robot that was made by accident. The origin is a little similar to this movie. There was the evil Chairman Drek making a robot army, and one of the robots was a misfit, crash-landed on the planet where Ratchet lived, and Clank, you pretty much ran around with him on your back the whole time, and he would get, like, propellers, and that would allow you to fly short distances, or he'd get jets that would allow you to swim a little better, and... It was a lot of fun, and it was also really kind of subversive, because the whole thing was the bad guy ran a corporation that polluted and just was trying to make another planet that he could pollute again, and they're making fun of superhero conventions. There's this Captain Quark, who, it reminded me nothing so much as Mystery Men and the Greg Kinnear character there, who was the superhero that wore all the logos on him, like the NASCAR character and whatnot, because he's this superhero is constantly showing up in TV commercials for various things that you go to in the game. It had a snarky attitude, an anti-consumerist attitude, and was just a fun game to play. I strongly endorse 
those early Ratchet and Clank games. I suspect that I would like this game. Watching this movie, I tried to figure out what it might be. And it, is it a side scroller? Is that like... Oh, are, side scrollers are so 1999. Okay. This is a 3D game. So it's the equivalent, you know, it's what side scrollers turned into, but the camera's behind the person, you know? And so... Tomb Raider. You, yeah. Yeah, very Tomb Raider. Okay, I mean, I liked Tomb Raider, and I liked, I typically like games where you play, like, a cute character. I assumed, because Ratchet was a mechanic, that he's built a lot of things. Like, some of it was about getting parts. You said you would get screws and wrenches and what have you, that you're trying to ultimately construct a ship or something? Well, no, you do minor repairs and you do side quests. The fun thing is, your main weapon is a wrench, so... You never run out of ammo when you're just smashing things with a wrench. But then you can also throw bombs. You can have a flamethrower. A lot of the weapons seen in this movie are from those games. But, like, you would get to a point where you need to open a door. And you open the door by turning a nut with your wrench, you know? And then the door opens. But you're not really building stuff the way you kind of do in those LEGO games. You're right. In LEGO games, you find the pieces and you can build a ship and fly away. Here... You're buying them and they're basically currency, but there are times when your character will want to build something, and he does kind of look up to this Captain Quark. Now, I haven't had time, I just, there's not enough time in my life to play all of the games that have come out in the Ratchet and Clank series. How many are there? 13 games. Oh my God. Wow. I didn't know it was that prolific of a series. Seriously. I'm like, I feel like I'm pretty up on like kid culture. And when something happens, I would have noticed these guys on a shirt, on a lunchbox. I have nieces. This was a thing. It was always more niche. You know what I'd equate it to? Metroid. Metroid is a huge thing for some gamers. But it was never Mario big. It was never Sonic big. I think this is up there with Metroid. It had its hardcore fans and it had a lot of fun gameplay. People bought a lot of them. I was surprised that they graduated to a feature film. It just does seem like, why not Toe Jam and Earl, you know? Well, I noticed something. At the beginning of this movie, we get a logo that looks an awful lot like the Marvel MCU logo, PlayStation Originals. PlayStation must have thought, like, we want in on this whole franchise universe stuff. And I looked up, like, what else were they trying to make? Did you know PlayStation had its own TV series about a superhero? Powers? No. No. And they apparently have a game called Sly Cooper, that they are in perpetual development of making their next animated movie. Sly Cooper, I've heard of that. I've never played it. Yeah, so PlayStation has ambitions. This movie was Iron Man. This was supposed to launch some kind of idea about a PlayStation universe. Interesting. As far as the game goes, I don't have much memory of playing it. What sticks with me is the aesthetic of the game. You know, the logo that they created for the game has stayed the same through all the years. And even for this movie, it's got the metal meeting the rusty metal and the kind of the look of the characters. And it's it kind of lives in this, I don't know, it's like futuristic steampunk type of world. And it's, it's kind of a thing that I could see myself getting into if I was younger. It, it's not just straight up sci-fi. It's not just straight up old timey. It's kind of a nice mix. And I think it creates a nice, unique world that's different from other games at the time. If you had told me that these were Star Wars characters getting their own spinoff, I would have believed you. Like the design that I experienced just by watching this movie and the, you know, the film grammar and the wipes and all of that. I don't know if it's in the game itself, but I feel in trying to adapt it to the movies... They thought we need to have a Lucasian vibe to it all. 
Well, as I understand, I did watch some YouTube walkthroughs and things of the later games and some reviews. The first four games, which is the collection, and basically your PS2 and your early PS3 games, Ratchet and Clank, and then these are titles like Going Commando, Up Your Arsenal, and Deadlocked, are apparently the good games. And then a different creative team took over. There were things like Size Matters and Quest for Booty, and A Crack in Time, and people didn't care for those as much. And by the time you were in 2012 with Full Frontal Assault, I think a lot of the luster had left the series. Holy shit, they put out a game for kids called Full Frontal Assault? (laughs) I can imagine why it was not successful. Yeah, they keep pushing the innuendo a little too much on those. But I can also imagine that, yeah, if you loved a game in 2002 and thought it was funny, 10 years later, you've outgrown that. Like, the audience grew out of it, and the new one didn't. They they found something else to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, there were spinoffs. They did what they called the Future Saga. But I would say that the early game didn't have a lot of Star Wars to it. If anything, it had more space balls with the idea of a corporate overlord wanting to destroy planets. We see that here. That kind of reminded me of space balls and the Statue of Liberty stealing the air. Sure, I no, it's definitely irreverent. I don't mean to imply that they were going for Star Wars. At, at no point do I sense that, but just design stuff. I feel like this Lombax, as I guess what Ratchet is, he's a one-of-a-kind alien. He could have existed in the prequels. I definitely feel like there's land speeders here, there's TIE fighters, there's things that I recognize as Star Wars ships. The thing that I would have said playing this first game without ever having seen the movie, my reference was that Ratchet was kind of like a adolescent Han Solo, like a very young, younger than in the solo movie Han Solo, where he was an adventurer, but also really out to make a buck. Very much about how can I get paid? How can I get, you know, a reward for what I'm doing? Clank, while he does have a C-3PO-ish vibe to him, What he reminded me of was, and this is really deep Star Wars cut, is uh, Blue Max from the old Han Solo novels from the 70s. Wow. You just lost everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I Blue Max. Sure, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, the Blue Max group, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But no, it's a little sarcastic, tiny computer that Han Solo hung around with. And because I think I got the Han Solo vibe off Ratchet, that's where I went with Clank. And so I felt like it was trying to be not Han and Chewie because Clank was also a little sarcastic, but like Han and a tiny action-loving 3PO on an adventure. But again, you have to understand that like some of their adventures were dealing with fitness gurus or trying to help a pro skateboarder escape some aliens. I mean, it was not a very serious game. It was all very fun and just kind of, yeah, irreverence the word you used and I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, I think the movie retains that. Having not played, again, I never seen a single frame of this game, I can see that the spirit of it was definitely tongue-in-cheek. And I'll say this, back in the day, you know, when this came out, 2002, we're right in the heart of the Star Wars prequels and I can't say that I have any memory of this giving me any feelings of being a Star Wars ripoff or even a Star Wars wannabe type of thing. But Stuart, what you're saying is a lot of that stuff comes through in this new modern movie. So something happened between 
the inception of this game and where it became a modern version of it. And a lot of the designs are changed. Ratchet's outfit here is different. Some of the ships are different. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I got a Star Wars vibe off of it beyond the Han Solo reference, the ship designs and the alien designs. None of it said Star Wars to me. In fact, it went the other way. I would think more Ren and Stimpy than Star Wars off of that original game. But here... It's funny you say Star Wars because the voice of Ratchet is James Arnold Taylor, a man I've had the pleasure of meeting and interviewing a few times, the lead voice of Star Wars The Clone Wars. He's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, I'm really happy to see him getting a main role here. I mean, there's some big names on this marquee, but he's the main actor in this, and he's doing his best Marty McFly voice throughout this movie, and it's awesome. And apparently he's the voice in the game itself as well. Like, he's always been Ratchet. He did it all but the very first game. He's a very prolific voice actor. I mean, that's what he does. So, all right, I get it. PlayStation wants to start something. This is a relatively low-cost investment. $20 million budget is even less than they had for the first Toy Story. And so, honestly... It's a debate as to whether you go with theaters or not, right? Like, this almost feels more for the market of that home animation, you know, like Barbie has a million movies and just stuff that I wouldn't have to pay attention to. I don't remember this coming out in theaters. I have no memory of seeing a poster, a trailer, anything. I don't know if I remember it or not. I think I have, like, phantom memory, but when it came out, 2016... What I'm reading is it opened at number seven at the box office. It was killed by Jungle Book and Zootopia around the same time. I definitely remember Jungle Book coming out. And Ratchet and Clank isn't something that would have gotten my attention. So I might have known, like, maybe there was an opening, please silence your phones like they did for the Lorax. I mean, if it wasn't for the silence your phones, I wouldn't remember the Lorax had a movie either. No, no. I mean, I'm aware of those. I don't go see them, but I'm aware of these things open. I don't think this had a very big presence. I don't think there was a really big, true attempt to make this work. They kind of threw it out there. They made it on the cheap. It only had to gross $20 million, and I guess it couldn't do that. It opened against Keanu, the film that makes you realize you want Peel directing a movie rather than starring in a movie. And Mother's Day, which is all about Julia Roberts in a really bad red wig. This thing... Like you said, 20 million, you got to look at about 40 as a break even. It did open in almost 3,000 theaters. Wow. It's not like it got a limited release. Okay. Well, then I don't, I really don't understand. I don't understand anything. I don't understand the world anymore. <laughs> but it only made a total of 8.8 million in its entire US run, 5.6 million around the rest of the world, scraping together a 14.4. Yeah, at least we don't have to worry about this coming back like Doom. <laughs> Well, maybe as a Saturday morning cartoon. Mm-hmm. One we don't have to review, but this we do. Arnie, give him the plot. I'm sorry, guys. There's just a whole lot of proper nouns here. That was the biggest challenge of watching this movie. I just have to kept pausing and like writing down the names. And yes, I, I never got it right. On the planet Velden lives a spaceship mechanic named Ratchet, voiced by James Arnold Taylor. The fox-like alien dreams of joining the Galactic Rangers which is basically a superhero group led by the egotistical Captain Quark, voiced by Jim Ward. Ratchet gets his chance when the Rangers decide to add a fifth member to their ranks. This extra manpower is needed because alien Blarg Chairman Drek. So the species is Blarg, the chairman is Drek, and he's voiced by Paul Giamatti. From the planet Quartu. Again, it's impossible. This is like another, it's like Klingon, really. <laughs> 
Drek has begun destroying entire planets with his deplanetizer laser, cherry-picking the best pieces of each planet to form a new planet called New Umbris, where the Blarg will live due to all of the pollution on their original planet. The deplanetizer was created by mad scientist Dr. Nefarious, voiced by Deep Space Nine's Armin Shimmerman, and he's aided by Victor Von Ayan, voiced by Sylvester Stallone. Ayan is the leader of Blarg's robot army, built by Nefarious. But the machine built one defective robot, a tiny robot, voiced by David Kay. This robot escapes from Blarg's ship and crashes on Veldin, where he meets up with Ratchet, and Ratchet names this little droid Clank. Together, they save the Galactic Rangers from Drek's army of robot soldiers, and thus they become famous and are inducted as new Rangers. But Quark feels overshadowed by the two new heroes, so he makes a deal with Drek to allow Drek to destroy another planet, so long as no one's harmed in doing so, in exchange for a good PR agent that will make Quark the most adored Ranger again. Ratchet and Clank infiltrate Drek's base, and Clank bests the larger Victor Von Ion by pouring water on the robot, rusting him, and Ratchet sees Quark and realizes the Rangers have been betrayed. Then Nefarious reveals himself as the true mastermind behind all this chaos. He was once a Ranger himself, but left due to the intolerable Quark. Nefarious turns Drek into a sheep and exiles him, as Nefarious takes over. He aims his deplanetizer next at the planet Umbris, but if destroyed, its core would also destroy all other planets in the solar system, killing billions. Quark reunites with the Rangers, and as a team, they go to stop Nefarious. They succeed in stopping the destruction of Umbris, and Nefarious falls into his deplanetizer laser. The Rangers return home, and Quark is somewhat humbled by his experience. Ratchet and Clank return to Veldin, but remain reserve rangers if they're needed again. And in a credit scene, we see Nefarious wasn't killed, but rather transformed into a robot as credits roll. Sorry I asked. I think I only understood about half those words you said. Here's the problem. This movie tried to cherry pick not just the best parts of planets to create a new planet, but the best parts of three different Ratchet and Clank games to try to make a super Ratchet and Clank. Because in the first game, you're just dealing with Chairman Drek and the Blarg. And by the time you get to three, though, you're dealing with Nefarious and Nefarious turning into a robot. And Nefarious is really kind of the iconic, he's the Gargamel to Ratchet and Clank's Smurfs, you know? Blarg was more of a joke than anything. So they decide they want to put Nefarious in here, but they want to keep Blarg in here. And they're trying to keep all of these various little subplots, which work when you're in a game. I mean, Commander Quark is a repeat punchline in the game, which works because you're playing a game for 20, 30 hours. When you're trying to squeeze all of this into a 94-minute movie, wow, this movie, I'll put it out there, is best aimed at ADD adult children who've had a bowl of sugar and are off their meds. Right. Instantly. They don't try to fool us. They don't say we're Pixar. They don't try to punch above their weight. They're making something that is for the very youngest set. And yeah, is it a problem that so much of this will go without explanation? I think it's a big advertisement for the video game. I suspect they're trying to drum up business for the PlayStation Ratchet and Clank series. They can lose money on the movie if the people that do see this go, oh, I really want to know more about Nefarious. Except the series had already died an inglamorous death, 
They were making a new one to tie into this movie, but that one got really harsh reviews. I'll talk about it at the end of this review. And there haven't been a Ratchet and Clank game since. And like I said, I had to go buy a special system to play this. It's not like you could just go out and buy Ratchet and Clank off the shelf to play on the newest system. You got to have the Vita or whatever. Okay. (laughs) Hey, I can appreciate a movie that goes into the trouble of fleshing out some of this detail, naming the worlds, giving every character a name and the technology is named and just all these sci-fi things that if you don't want to invest too much, all you need to know is it's just shorthand for something that's alien to us. But if you're a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old kid and you really get brought in by this movie, it gives you like some homework to do after you get home from the theater. It's like, oh, I'm really into this. I want to know more about this character. I want to read his stats on the back of the video game, you know? So I can appreciate them putting some of this dense stuff in here that for guys like us, we can just gloss over. But younger kids can maybe, you know, latch onto it and find something in this property to put in their heart. And I'd go the other way. Instead of Stuart saying they're making this movie, hoping that they buy the game, I'd say that all of this detail, yeah, Justin is exactly right. If you don't know what they're talking about, it can just wash over you as noise and you can still follow the arcs and the plot. But if you've played the game, all of this means something to you because all of this is cherry-picked from the different games, all the weapons, all the characters, all the bad guys, you'd get more jollies by all of the little Easter eggs you see in it. Yeah, but everyone knows the holiday Easter. Nobody knows this video game. And dropping reference to a series that doesn't seem like it hit very big seems very strange. I I would think that if I were this director, and we have seen his work before, he did that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie reviewed so long ago, that your basic job here is to fill in all the details, to let us know about all of what we're missing here and why we should like Ratchet and Clank together. Again, there are 13 Ratchet and Clank games. This series has sold over 26 million games. It's the third best-selling franchise Sony has, underneath Gran Turismo and Uncharted. I guess I just don't know PlayStation then, because my ability to follow video games is how often it gets into memorabilia, and just, is it afloat in the Macy's Day Parade? This is like from an alternate dimension. I've never seen these characters before. You're telling me they're hits. It's funny. I could probably draw you the logo from memory, but neither one of the characters before watching this movie. Right. They do have some pretty good actors associated with this. I will give props to some of the voice. When we get started here, we start with the bad guy, and I know it instantly. Even without looking at the box, I know that's Paul Giamatti doing a whole rant on a segue. I mean, there is a lot of pop culture humor that I think, yeah, sometimes I smirk at. Absolutely. Paul Giamatti at this point would do anything for a paycheck. I think he was one year off. I am the rhino! And I will never let him live that down. But I feel bad, though, for James Arnold Taylor because he's pushed down to a with, even though he is the star of this film. The people like John Goodman, who have, what, five, ten lines in this movie, get billed above him. What I notice is this movie looks good. I really like the animation of this film. There's a lot of detail, a lot of shading, a lot of lighting. I mean, having just been playing the PlayStation 3 port of this game, I look at this and I'm very impressed with how everything looks here, just the amount of detail and character design. I'm right there with you. The look and feel of this movie is incredible. 
The one place I think it suffers, and it's less of a problem with the movie and more with the game, is I feel like Ratchet doesn't belong in this world with the rest of them. He feels like he's from a different property. I'll qualify it. I think for a $20 million animated movie, it looks very good. I'll agree that that's really low budget when you consider the average Pixar movie is hundreds of millions of dollars. But it also... That has a whole level of theatricality that this does not have. This is good enough, but good enough for theaters? Would you be a little mad if you had paid ticket price and sat down at a movie theater to watch this? This looks better than Angry Birds 2, and I did pay theater prices for that. This looks as good as a Lego movie to me. Oh, no way. Yes, absolutely. With all the little character details and the texturing and the lighting. To me, it's pretty crude. Like, it's got maybe not quite veggie tales, but they're like heads are circles they're very geometric i'll just put it that way i can feel the piecemeal connection of the characters just because they're geometric doesn't mean that they're not detailed with all of the fur on ratchet and again i'm looking at the lighting i'm looking at the textures i'm not just looking at the designs most of which come out of the games and the games were developed under a more rudimentary system i'm looking at the facial expressions and the wrinkles on the faces the sheer animation of it is better than Incredibles 1. No, no, come on. There's no way. I'm siding with Arnie here because there is some depth to the rendering. They have different levels of shininess on metals. There's great light auras bouncing off of glass and shiny surfaces. I will go to bat with Arnie on this one. I think the animation is above par here. 2016. This thing came out three years ago, and this looks competitive with anything else that would have been in theaters. Yes. Okay. Again, I'm going to be polite and say it looks okay, but I think that sounds crazy. There's no way this looks as good as any other animated movie that would have been out at that time. Then you're looking at different things when it comes to what animation is. I'm looking specifically again. When mouths move, when heads turn, it's very crude. I think that it's very smooth. And I think the way that like Ratchet's tail flips and his fur blows. I think there's a lot of detail here you are not giving proper credit to. Moving on. I will say this. The pop culture references are typically you want to have them for the adults in the audience. You want to do things that are going to keep parent that was dragged there by the kids semi-entertained. Every now and then, feel the burn good, smell the burn bad. They're doing some kind of Richard Simmons robot thing here at the beginning. There's enough of it that I find myself being slightly more engaged than I expected to. I laughed out loud at one moment. It's a little bit later when there's a battle and somebody falls off a railing and you hear the Wilhelm screen and then somebody just goes, Wilhelm! And that's what Marjorie and I do at every movie we're in. When we hear one of the Wilhelm screams, we just go, Wilhelm. I couldn't not laugh. And yes, this movie's plot and how many characters there are and what their motivations are, I'm struggling to keep a hold of but the one-liners are coming so fast and there's just it kind of reminded me of the old tv series dinosaurs in some of the way that it was anachronistic humor but it kept me smiling and laughing yeah i'm going along for the ride here i'm digging the style i think the animation is good and the voice acting is great for the most part now it's down to the story is the story going to be enough to keep me engaged with this hour and a half long cartoon and you know i I don't have high standards for it honestly like i figured it's going to be some lame duo pair running around space like knowing that it's meant for the youngest minds i don't expect 
sophistication. I don't expect to cry. You know how like Pixar movies, there's always that moment where you're like, oh God, I hope I don't cry in front of all these children. I'm not expecting any of that level of sophistication here. This is a PG rated movie. They didn't aim it for the youngest children. They could have gone G with this, but this is there with Big Hero 6 and robots. Why? What's the P in this? I'm guessing crude humor. They get close to decimation of a population. They talk about it later that everybody was moved away, but they almost blow up planets with people on it. Oh, okay, yeah. they. I thought they underlined pretty clearly that no one ever got hurt, but there's actually one shot. There's actually one death, and I think it is a death that I was like, wow, that's a little harsh. But for the most part, again, I've seen G movies that are just as challenging as this. I don't get it. I can't imagine a child. I would say, no, you can't see this, too. I agree. And the story here is an original story. It is not entirely based on the game. But what you have definitely feels more Star Wars. To me, Ratchet is Luke Skywalker. He's working for John Goodman as a mechanic, the way Luke was working for Uncle Owen. Ratchet dreams of being a space ranger, the way Luke wanted to go off and join the Academy and be a pilot. This is going to be a fairly typical hero's journey here, where much like R2-D2 and C-3PO crash land near Luke to instigate his action, Clank is going to crash land near Ratchet. The message is very typical in the sense that in our day and age, imagining, you know, actualizing and becoming big is something that that would be incredible. You would want the whole universe to celebrate you for channeling the force. I think that in this day and age, the message is definitely put heavy on here. Be wary of fame. Be wary of people exploiting your image. This is much more a story about staying humble. And while the character is still expected to dream big at the end of this, he is going to be mopping floors. He's not going to forget the people that he's with in here in the beginning. It's a practical Jupiter ascending. Yeah, I was going to say, this comes out in an era after the deconstruction of what a superhero movie is. You know, it's no longer about putting on tights and being the hero at the end of the day. There's struggles. So, yeah, you know, to just do a straight up, hey, kid dreams of a bigger life and becomes the hero type of thing would be wrote even for a child's movie in 2016. Yeah. When I see this character, he's introduced trying to do 2000 push-ups. Of course, he's watching robots that have no trouble doing it. His room is filled with this character that you can't not think about Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger, when you hear about this Galactic Ranger, this Captain Quark. It's the same concept, this arrogance, the physique is the same, like all of it. The notes are being hit here are very, very familiar that who he worships and idolizes is a parody of a Superman. What's funny is I always thought the tick. I mean, same difference. Oh, yeah, he's got a tick vibe looking, but with the Space Rangers, I think it's less from the Toy Story movies, but there was a, a Saturday cartoon of the Space Rangers that I think this whole team is borrowed from. I don't know if you guys watched any of that in your retrospective for Toy Story, but there was an animated mm. based around Buzz Lightyear and his crew of Space Rangers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jacob drew that short straw. We made him watch that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the same vibes, a lot of the same style of characters are coming from directly from that series. It feels like a weird blend. To parody superheroes feels very topical 2016, but this 
I thought they were telling me a Star Wars. When we get into this early scene where an old guy is coming to pick up his ship, he was just supposed to have a seat adjusted, and he ends up, Ratchet has pimped it out with all these things, unnecessary, and it turns it into this wild ride of magnetized metal chasing them through canyons. Again, that to me felt like a pod chase, and the fact that we end up in a deconstruction of superheroes, eh, it's just maybe too much. Yeah, and they're trying to throw in things from multiple games that were subplots and make them plots. Again, Quark was a punchline that he was, for much of the game, Clank thinks Quark is the one who's going to save the galaxy. If we can find Quark, he'll save us and can't see through the obvious shilling he does on television for various stores and that he's just a commercial sellout. He's not an actual superhero. Here, by having the Rangers, I the game I played, there was only Quark. There wasn't a team of Rangers. I don't know if they came in in later games. But here, by making him nefarious, something that did happen in the game, it feels like there's just too many enemies going on with Nefarious and Quark and Drek. And I think they could have streamlined this story a little bit more, a lot more, to be a first animated film. Yeah, where it seems comfortable living, where it gets its groove on at the Act 2 mark, is that, okay, so someone's destroying these uninhabited planets. Again, nobody is dying. And that means they need to up the workforce of Galactic Rangers from three to four, it sounds like. Plus, they have some techie that kind of helps them out, but they don't listen to. And so... It's, you know, Ratchet applying for the job, trying to getting rejected for the job, and then ultimately getting in good because he meets Clank. Yeah, you know, kind of an accidental hero. You know, he he's at his lowest point. He had his dreams smashed of becoming one of the superheroes with, with his idols. But here comes Clank, and Clank is coming to the planet to warn everybody of an incoming invasion. And I can't not love Clank. In the game, in the movie, voiced by the same guy in both, you've got this idealistic, literally bright-eyed, do-gooder robot who's going to risk everything to save planets that he knows nothing about. His deadpan delivery, dry sense of humor, Clank wins me over. I actually found Ratchet to be a little annoying in the games. Clank's the one who I hung on to. Well, what about in this movie? Because I feel like Clank is undeveloped. I kind of take them as one here. I don't think he does get the spotlight nearly enough. There's way too much Ratchet, but Ratchet isn't as annoying here as he was in the game. Yeah, and I see, same way Arnie says, I see them as two parts of the same character, where Ratchet is kind of the fly by the seat of his pants, make a decision, and then pay the consequences later, and Clank is kind of the moral center, you know, like, everything he does is for the greater good. Would it work better? I mean, I kept thinking, I don't know, again, I know nothing about the game and what's already been established, but since Ratchet is an inventor, and he's always pimping out rides and adornments, if he had created or at least done modification to a warbot so that like he has more ownership of this character, so that it feels more of a reflection of him. As it is, this is just a defective warbot who just flies in accidentally. Well, why do they remain friends? Why do they connect? There doesn't seem to be a really good reason to keep them together. 
I agree. I think the game does it better where you actually have the entire first game where they're at odds and they come together. They form a bond over the course of the game here. This is part of my problem with this movie is characterization all around here. They just land together. Hey, guess what? We're best friends now. Okay. I'm right there with both of you because I feel like the, actually the, the middle act of this movie is where it kind of drags. And if, if it's going to be kind of dragging and it's just going to be kind of throwing out some plot points to convolute us towards an end we already know is coming, why not spend some of that time to do character development where we're endearing ourselves to the two main characters a little bit more? Yeah, I have to believe, I don't care anything about this plot. If you want to have a moral that's great for the youngest of the audience, what I care for as an adult viewer is what's the chemistry between our two main characters? buddy cop formula is it fun watching them play off each other as they fall into more scenarios and more trouble i don't feel like they got a lot going on between them and and again i kept thinking in my head of ways that they could again if ratchet is always tweaking things you will see that he messes with ships and what have you why wouldn't he mess with this little robot and in the game Clank gets upgrades all the time. It's not Ratchet necessarily that does them because you have to buy the upgrades, but you do buy upgrades for him that gives him the propellers and things. And like I said, in the game, Clank, for most of the levels, rides on Ratchet's back. He's an accessory. He's, you know, he gives you gizmos you wouldn't have had otherwise. It's not like I had said Sonic and Two Tails, but those are two different characters that you actually switch back and forth between playing. Here, it's really one character that the two together make it stronger. And I don't feel this movie has characterization at all. I feel like a lot happens, but I don't know why Larg is going through everything he is, why he is choosing to be evil versus colonize a different planet. I don't know until the very end why Nefarious is so bad. I don't get why Ratchet and Clank are becoming friends. Things are happening because they happened in the game, but they're not motivated actions in this film. Yeah, and I feel that was intentional. I actually feel like they said, if we don't tell you what this is, you'll be curious enough to go and play the game where it is explained. I feel like, again, they're more concerned about selling units than they are about selling these story. Again, I, th you couldn't buy the games for working systems at this time. That can't be the motivation. Mm. But it still is an issue because it does feel like watching this as a standalone movie, that it's almost the culmination of a season of a TV show where we're supposed to get a lot of this backstory and characterization prior to even coming into the theater and sitting down. Yeah, that's what I feel like I've done. I've, I turned on to a Cartoon Network show that I've missed 180 episodes. And so a lot of the interconnection between these people running in and out are totally lost on me. And it's really just about, do I think their vamping and their aping of pop culture is amusing or not? And that a whole lot is put into the idea that we're to laugh at the vanity of this superhero quark, who is going to really be tricked into being another villain. Like, his vanity is going to lead him into feeling like he's better off for his image when Ratchet becomes more popular than him as a ranger, signing up with the bad guy. I know Quark is not supposed to be the brightest bulb in the lamp, and again, this is a plot twist straight from the game, but I just 
don't follow exactly what he thinks he's getting here. He's agreeing to let them destroy a planet, and they're offering him PR. In the game, it would have made him look like a hero in his own way. Here, it's like he's going to sit back, let bad things happen, and then come out and, you know, kind of like Charlie Sheen going into rehab. Just be like, I screwed up! But now I'm going to rehab and I'm going to be better. Yeah, it's they, they were trying to walk a line by trying to make him not too much of an asshole for being jealous of this newcomer. And by doing so, they didn't make him enough of an asshole for us to understand his motivation for allowing what happened. Yeah, I have to believe they they looked at like what kids are seeing and no doubt it's hard to explain. What is Paris Hilton? Why do people like her? Like this idea of celebrity just because you're famous and people doing things that are meant to get attention but aren't good to do selling that lesson and creating an equivalent in this movie they tried but yeah this is the difference between pixar and a pretender like pixar can really get to those adult ideas and you can watch one of their movies as an adult and feel like wow i feel like you really understand something about the world here i don't think kids are going to know why quark betrays and i don't think the adults are going to care that quark betrays i think that they just they didn't dig deep enough i just don't see what his end game is unless he's absolutely stupid and if he's absolutely stupid there's better ways to do it than offering him pr you could have had drek just fool him instead of making drek's underlings give him a foot massage yeah, I mean, you get the sense that he is wanting to be loved and that Ratchet has the new action figure. Ratchet is the one they want the autographs for. And yeah, if kids watched How You Got Famous these days, you go do something and put it on YouTube. They should have had a very understandable track from Quark signing up to what he thought he could get out of it. And it's unnecessarily confusing to the plot where... Somebody said it earlier where we already have two villains. You know, why create another third villain out of a hero when it's not even necessary? He could have just been captured and they could have really just been going after him to save him. And that's a little bit of a lesson to his ego where he really does need a team and not just himself. It confuses an already somewhat convoluted plot with adding one more bad guy to the mix. If you want to do this slightly more cynically and much, much better... Go watch Mystery Men, where Dr. Frankenstein kidnaps Greg Kinnear, and he's trapped there, and then the Mystery Men, the ragtag bunch, have to go and try to save him, and I'm not going to spoil how that ends, but it's better than this. And here, yeah, it makes him a henchman, which really makes me wonder why Sylvester Stallone's character is in this, because he does very little. He has very few lines, which is appropriate for Sylvester Stallone's voiceover work, but not even halfway into this movie, Clank has bested him because he rusts. Yeah, see, I almost forgot about that character. That's four bad guys. There's three main bad guys and a good guy who turns. But there's also way too many good guys because we're focusing on Quark, but there are all these other rangers that I can't really keep straight. There's Korra and Brax, and then the only one I really know is Alaris, who is voiced by Rosario Dawson. I know that actress very well, so the voice sticks out to me, and she's the smart one that everybody's basically calling a nerd and not listening to. They just want to race into the action, but I don't know what makes Cora and Brax worth a damn. No, I, I don't think that they're served by this story at all. Alaris is the counterpoint for Clank. You know, we see that 
when Ratchet joins the Rangers, he's going to emulate his hero, and Clank is going to be shuttled off to this broom closet, which is where they put the brains of the operation, Alaris. And so those four make sense in this story. Yeah, there's just a lot of characters and a lot of things are getting dropped in the meantime. Are you smiling? Are you laughing? I would say half and half. I mean, like, again, I'm not going to put too much on the story needs to make tons of sense. It's about entertainment value. And I would say the thing's moving along. It's occasionally humorous the animation isn't that bad yeah i mean i guess i'm sounding like i'm coming off a little bit dour on this movie but overall i am enjoying the ride you know i like i said earlier i'm on board for the style of animation so i'm not getting bored with the visuals the story even though it does seem a lot of unnecessary plot points are being thrown out it's moving along at a good enough pace that I'm not checking out. I'm not checking out, but I feel like I'm having the least fun of the three of us because the one-liners really start to wear off on me after the 30-minute mark. My go-to is, as an equivalent, if you've seen The Secret Life of Pets, I really enjoyed the first half hour of The Secret Life of Pets when it was just about the pets doing crazy things when left at home. But once one got lost and it became a rescue mission and the plot kicked in, I checked out of Secret Life of Pets. It stopped being as fun. Here, I feel like a lot of the one-liners stop working as well once Ratchet has joined the Rangers and it becomes more plot-driven and less random, wacky. Giamatti still gets some good lines in here, but it's a lot more plot, a lot less joke. And my issue is, yeah, I agree. Ratchet is a weird fit for the superhero team. I also feel like he's not given a whole lot to do. Like we lose track of him in this story because it suddenly becomes about Cork and betrayal and all the planets that are getting zapped. And I mean, it is kind of a funny plot that Drex got going that he that he's got this brochure that he's giving out to all his fellow aliens. I assume they're a nomadic species. They don't have a home of their own or they're wanting a better one. He's selling the idea that he's creating creating the perfect planet by taking all of the best parts of all the other planets he's deplanetizing and turning it into new quarto. I might be getting confused with the game, but isn't it in here that his planet's overly polluted and that's why he needs the new world? That and they were forced underground, so they lived underground and they wanted a planet where they could live on the surface and enjoy the sun. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I think there are environmental messages, messages about what you do for fame. I think there's stuff in here that kids are going to find of some substance and value. If they can dig it out because it's all happening at such a breakneck pace. I feel like I almost wanted to watch this movie on slow motion or three-quarter speed because otherwise all of it's just going to roll off of you. The movie doesn't slow down to where you noticed that it was about pollution and let alone a kid trying to pick that out of walking out of this when I think the worst thing for the kids is there's no good musical number in here. There's no song that the kids are going to be singing on their way out. Yeah, I wondered about that. Since that is typically the best way to slow down moments so that you really understand where people are coming from. They're going to tell you what they're about in song. I typically don't like the songs, but would it have been wise for them to spend a couple, maybe another million, get some pop artists in here and jazz this up with some contemporary music and sounds i'm okay without a modern remake of some song or something like that i mean i feel like angry birds did that to death and it really bothered me angry birds had 20 some pop songs that were either re-recordings or 
actually the actual songs in there the chicken dance all of it i'm fine without that type of hook i am enjoying the score i think the score here is done very well it feels very cinematic and you know it elevates this otherwise somewhat lackluster animated movie into feeling like it could be on a big screen so eventually ratchet gets his heart broken because for reasons he risked everything to go save quark and only to find out that quark is a jerk sold them all out for whatever reasons he half understood he was betraying the good guys and yeah ratchet is just devastated crawls back home and the director was so proud of this he like the one thing that he kept talking about is if i could pass on one idea for generations to come to be a hero you don't have to do big things just the right ones that's it that was the lesson Well, that's John Goodman's line there, and yeah, it's repeated, I guess. It's no, with great power comes great responsibility. It's not hammered home that often, but it is said quite a bit. Yeah, and it's reverse engineered from that sentiment, though. You know what I'm saying? It's just, to hear Stuart say it, it's almost like the director came into this project trying to find one thing to at least make it stick. And yeah. Yeah, I think that if you're making Ratchet and Clank the movie, you're like, yeah, I don't have to do big things. I could just do little things like this. Hope my career survives. So anyway, let's get to some kind of climax that, of course, he comes back to the team. Why would he ever leave? No one really understood what that was all about. Yeah, it's the whole hero's journey. Refusal of the call and then rising to it again. And so they're going to listen to the nerd they never did, Alaris. I feel like there needed to be a little romance in here, don't you think? Like maybe Ratchet and Alaris or something. I feel like every name in here sounds like an erectile dysfunctional pill. <laughs> like Novalis, Alaris, I'm like, at least blue and make you feel something. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I do think that, again, for me, it's about Ratchet and Clank. If they're the linchpin that ties all of this messiness together, I did, I'm not saying a love affair, but I do feel like they needed to have a storyline between them. There needed to be something about their relationship that we follow. And as it is, they're just having almost separate adventures that Clank is always fighting Stallone and yeah, he, Ratchet is doing whatever he's doing. But Ratchet and Clank don't take out Drek. That turns out Drek's going to be undermined by his own Dr. Nefarious, which with a name like Dr. Nefarious, how could you not? But there's so many betrayals and twists and turns in this movie. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is... Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil complexity, but I'm saying that for this animated film that does not slow down to give you character, this is really whiplash-inducing when your big hero is no longer your hero, and now your big villain's no longer your villain, and Dr. Nefarious is taking over and changing the plans. I don't know if it's as confusing as you're making it, but yeah, not all of the twists are that interesting, because I'm not that invested in the characters. I'm not that surprised when they're betrayed. I am surprised, I gotta say, Paul Giamatti's character gets turned into a sheep by Nefarious. He, like Ratchet, has a lot of crazy inventions, and one of them is a gun that will turn you into a sheep and he sends him off to the new planet that death scene was pretty shocking i do feel like that's the pg like when we actually see him land on the planet turn back and he sees that laser ray come at him that was kind of a hard death and it seems like something that nefarious deserves drek 
Yeah, he was kind of evil, but he was mostly corporate, you know, and buffoonish. I don't feel like if one character is going to be killed by laser, Drek was the one who needed it. Yeah, it's a surprisingly somber note in what has up to that point been a sheep joke. But, you know, (laughs) tonal shifts aside, the movie's plugging along, moving along. No sooner are they hatching the plan than we realize they've committed it. Like, it's weird. (laughs) Alaris is saying, this is what we should do, and then we're there. Like, they've done it, and, like, let's just get it on. I like that. It reminded me of the A-Team when they did that. You know, they don't have a planning scene and then do it. They do it in montage, where you're planning and see them executing the plan. I liked that piece. So basically, the other galactic rangers are using the mag booster, the thing that Ratchet made that made that old man's vehicle such a bumpy ride in the beginning. It's now pulling the deplanetizer off course so that essentially, yeah, things are saved and yet we don't have to kill people. I mean, that's always the trick, right? Is like you need to have a lot of fighting and combat in a movie like this, but you don't want to kill. So there's a lot of robots and there's a lot of magnets And while they're all doing that, it's, of course, about Ratchet and Quark, which, again, feels wrong. And maybe Clank should have been the betrayer. Maybe he got reprogrammed. I don't know how to write this, but I feel like it's strange that this whole movie has been about Ratchet's hero worship of Quark. And it's all going to play out here in the nuclear core of the the planetizer. It makes sense when that exact thing happened in the game. You know, that's why they're not making Clank the Betrayer is they're going after their cherry-picking plot points from the games, and yet they couldn't be selective enough. They couldn't narrow it down. They had to have everything. The entire villain's plot is the problem with this script. I want the best of every planet, and I want to put it in one big planet even if that planet then makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, maybe the whole thing would have been cleaner if Quark had been working with Drek the whole time rather than getting turned halfway through. Like maybe maybe that's the big reveal is that he's been working behind the scenes, working both sides. Then this climax might have felt a little more weighty other than what it is. It's just two characters fighting where we're not sure if one's good or bad or why he even thought about going bad. It just, it all comes off kind of weightless. Yeah, no consequence. Easy come, easy go. I mean, you can see that as a benefit too. Like if you're not looking for something heavy, some small minds, kids, impressionable kids, you don't want to expose them to heavy stuff. This is, it's very diverting entertainment. And so before you know it, yeah, the deplanetizer is pulled off course, exploding. Uh, The bad guy falls in, I believe. How does he become a robot? I thought that we saw pretty clearly that his, it looked like his atoms vaporized. Yeah, he kind of disintegrated and reformed as a robot. Keep in mind, there's this robot making machine that we don't even know why it made Clank. It turned him into a robot. Okay, but that was on a different planet. All right, that's fine. Let's not. I I can see from the look on your face that I want to know no more about this. All right, so he becomes a robot. Sure, why not? Robots are fun. And he can beat on robots, and it's not considered violent. And he was a robot in most of the games, so we wanted to get him to his final form, Mm. his iconic persona. What I'm thinking of is Masters of the Universe movie, when Skeletor comes up, I will return, and then he never did because the movie bombed so fucking bad, and I think we're in the same boat here. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the underlying message there is it's easy to forget that this is a movie based on a video game property. It very much just feels like somewhat of an original idea where Sony wanted to put out something kind of like Megamind, 
you know? Because the games weren't to the mass pop culture enough to really drive that home. And you would think that would be a warning sign for green lighting. It was like, if people really don't care, why do we? But I guess you go with what you have. And that's what they, they try to make a C-list property into an A-list film and, and found out that America and the rest of the world wasn't having it. But can it be forgiven? I mean, now that it's on home format, like, can we, like Quark, can it go on an apology tour and say, all right, maybe I wasn't worth a movie ticket in theaters, but you could have this on in the background while you clean the house, right? I would say if it had a better soundtrack, yes. I mean, again, what I've noticed recently is like Baby Driver and Bohemian Rhapsody. Those are great to have on while you clean the house because you're also just listening to the music as well as seeing the story. Here... I don't know that you could catch the one-liners in between vacuuming and dusting. I think it would be good to babysit the kids while you clean, but I don't think it's good for you while you clean. But I guess that's getting to Justin Stewart. Do you recommend Ratchet and Clank? Justin. Yeah, you know, kind of building off of that sentiment is like, is it something you could have on in the background and enjoy? Maybe, but I think more to the point is this feels like it would have been better served as like a 45 minute special on Nickelodeon, you know, with some commercial breaks and everything that could have condensed some of this down, gotten some of that boring and sluggish middle part out of there. This would have been an awesome special on TV because like we said, I think the animation is really, really good. I think the mm-hmm. voice acting is awesome. The score is really good. I wanted to like this movie a lot. And at the end of the day, I don't hate it. I just don't think it's for me. You know, if I was nine years old and this movie came out, I think there's probably a lot for me to chew on as a nine-year-old. But 45-year-old me, I'm not getting the nostalgic feels of a 17-year-old game at this point that I never really played. But it's not the worst thing we've seen. I would watch this again before either of the Angry Birds movies. You know, and I don't know if that's saying a whole heck of a lot. (laughs) Splitting them hairs. This movie's just going to kind of live in, hey, we've been in some really dark places in this arcade series, and this doesn't feel heavy. It doesn't feel like it took part of my soul and walked away. Mm. It just feels like something that could have been more if the world was a different place. And I guess in 2019, we're sitting here watching a three-year-old animated movie that just, it didn't suck. It also didn't light the world on fire. So I'm going to give it a mild not recommend, but with the caveat that I didn't hate it and I would watch it again. Stuart. Here's the sticky part. I've gone in so many directions previously when consuming and talking about kids fair like sometimes i have to invent imaginary children and say oh they liked it you know like i have to project something that doesn't exist sometimes i say oh yeah kids will probably like it but they have no taste i'm an adult and i hate this i think that's where i came down on angry birds so how do i feel about this i do feel like it's two different arrows for two different audiences yeah as the adult me there's not enough here it's not a pixar movie it doesn't have the warmth the heart the smile or even the jokes, even though I smile at some of the jokes, it doesn't have enough of them to call this a really rip-roaring successful comedy. It's just kind of mediocre, but it would make a great straight-to-tape babysitter. I mean, I do think that if you're nine years old, there's really no reason why I wouldn't encourage the kids to watch it 90 minutes out of my hair. No problem at all. Is that a recommend? I'm going to say yes. And the reason why... I don't like birds. Angry Birds, I gave a red arrow because I hate birds. 
I'm going to give this a green arrow because I more or less like the character designs. I more or less feel like this is a game I probably would enjoy if I ever played it. So yeah, the Star Wars derived critters just eke it over the line. It's better than Clone Wars. It's better than some of the Star Wars cartoons I have watched. So I'm feeling charitable is really what it is. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm going to say this doesn't suck. And me, I was leaning towards recommend as the movie began. And I think I came in with a buttload of goodwill because I loved the game. Mm-hmm. I strongly recommend the game. It's a lot of fun. If you've played the Lego games and you're like, I want more of that type of fun, silly, irreverent action, go get these games. I had to buy it used because the system isn't made anymore, even though it's not that old. The Vita. I went and bought a used Vita and then downloaded these games from the PlayStation Store. Worth it. Because I got the entire collection of these games. They're a lot of fun. I'm going to get a hundred hours or more of play out of this and that's gonna be a dollar an hour of fun and i think that's a good rate and so since i liked these games so much i came in my heart was open to this movie and it made me laugh and it had the wilhelm joke and i'm like yes i'm enjoying this movie not as much as the games but i'm liking this movie i'm liking the voice cast i'm loving how the animation looks but then it just kept going. If this had been a 30-minute short, I probably would have gone with it completely. But when it had to get into all of its twists and turns and try to have character development, but because there were so many characters and not enough time to develop them, and really, not even just not enough time, but not enough interest in developing them, because you could have used the time you had better instead of having quite so many missions to just reveal a single plot point. I had to give this some real thought at the end because I did smile and laugh at a lot of the one-liners, but I'm going to just be on the weakest of not recommends on this, which is to say it's one of the best video game movies ever, but still it's going to be a just a, a slight red arrow. Yeah, I think that's we saw the same movie. We, we all three just said the same exact thing. I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure don't listen to a thing I'm saying when I say mild green recommend for this film. Probably don't. Like, I think it's just Stockholm Syndrome. I've been beaten down by bad video game movies, and this one isn't nearly as bad as they usually are, so I'm feeling really charitable. I'm really feeling like, Oh, good. I don't have to watch anything like this in the near future until we get to Sonic the Hedgehog. And I think one of the things that may have helped me make my decision is, as I said, in 2016, they re-released Ratchet and Clank. And I bought this and I'm like, I read it was updated with stuff from the movie and updated graphics, but it's the first game. And I was wondering, because the plot of the game and the plot of this movie were quite a bit different. I'm like, how are they going to make this mesh? The answer is really, really poorly. The graphics are bad, like there's clipping errors in it where you walk through chairs, and you complimented the score, Justin. I think the score works fine in this movie, but the music of that first game was just a lot of fun, and they replaced the music from that with this. They've added all these levels to make it more like the movie, but then they took away some of the most fun levels from the original game. This thing got blasted. I didn't play it that much, but it got blasted by almost every reviewer, and to sustain the legacy of the games I liked so much is enough for me to say this movie, whatever jokes I found funny in it, is not worth it. 
that's a shame that they would take a beloved game like that and try to shoehorn this movie into it rather than just doing a nice update, you know? No reason to try to make the two things mesh when it's not necessary. You know, it's a shame, like, farting in a church is a shame. Like, it's a like, minor, like, embarrassment. It's not killing my childhood. I don't think anyone loves this thing to feel like, wow, they really, the way that they're going to ruin Sonic the Hedgehog, this could never be. Go on YouTube. There are people who loved this, who grew up with Ratchet and Clank, who consider this blasphemy. And when you die and St. Peter goes, I heard you fart and sends you down to hell, <laughs> you'll understand that was not a minor infraction either. <laughs> I need to prepare for that, I suppose. It's happened more than once. <laughs> but yes, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> it looks better than Doom. No, would you stop hitting on that Doom 2005? No, I'm talking about the new Doom. Oh, yeah. I've already <laughs> repressed that. What the hell was that? Just a bad nightmare I had. I do love Sonic the games. I played them a hell of a lot. I've beaten the first three back in the day. Maybe this movie could be so bad it's Brown Arrow, you know? Yeah, I do find myself chuckling when I think about what a dark place Jim Carrey has found himself in at this point. That actually, like, this is where his career has led him. Oscar-nominated actor. Yeah, he's Dr. Robotnik. Oh, right, right. I'm thinking James Marsden. I'm like, wait, is Jim Carrey voicing the hedgehog? Oh, no, no. He's the bad guy. He's going to be stealing the show. We'll see. Yeah, he looks pained in this, and I actually find myself empathizing. It's too bad. But yeah, we're a couple of months. We can take a break from video games for now. We're actually going to be starting a new series, something we haven't done before. It's not a pickup of any kind. Yeah, we don't get that many chances to do that. We did a couple this year, Charlie's Angels. Mostly they're on the donation series because we're doing so many pickups on the main feed. But this has been long requested. We're finally getting to it. We're going to do the oldest movie we've ever reviewed when we do the original King Kong. That's right. Next March, apparently, New Kong is going to fight New Godzilla, and we're going to build up to that by covering all the Kong installments. Some of them will include Godzilla as well. I need to clarify, because we've done so many goddamn video games, not Donkey Kong, Yes, King Kong. <laughs> right. Yeah, the thing that Donkey Kong was trying to be, the big ape from Skull Island, started in the 1933 movie. That's where we're going to start going through Son of Kong, a couple of Japanese movies, the 70s, Linda Hamilton in the 80s, and then... Peter Jackson's monumental epic in the 2000s, leading all the way to Skull Island, and this year's Godzilla King of Monsters leading us into that new movie come March. So we'll be sprinkling that throughout the next couple months. I'm the newbie. I've seen a couple of them. I've seen the 70s King Kong a lot because I grew up with it on VHS. I saw Skull Island once. And all I remember from the Linda Hamilton one is ape tits. <laughs> you don't remember the heart transplant? No, I just oh, remember boy. ape tits. And the worst, like, sex proposition I've ever seen. Did they involve ape tits? No, she's like, we're primates too. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one strangely the most, which is wrong. I feel that's a very wrong sentiment. But for whatever reason, yes, King Kong lives. All of it, yes. I will see what it is. I think it'll be a lot of fun to experience it, to watch the transformations over time. No doubt about it. This first movie, Simnel Classic, groundbreaking special effects. Never seen it. Oh, wow. I wonder if those effects hold up. Probably not. Uh, you know, <laughs> 1933. <laughs> 
And in between, instead of Ratchet and Clank, I'm gonna go Rocky and Bullwinkle. And now for something completely different, <laughs> The Grudge 2. <laughs> yeah, don't forget, yeah, we have a gold level series going on, building up to another movie coming out in 2020, Grudge. And yeah, we're net right now covering the American films, the ones that, quite frankly, probably more people know. This was the second one and the last one to come out in theaters. Next week's Grudge 3 direct-to-video. But yeah, Grudge 2. I saw it once. My memory is of the few seconds Sarah Michelle Gellar is in it. She's only in it a few seconds? That's my memory. Oh, I've never seen it. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I personally hope that your turkey isn't as big as Ratchet and Clank was and this whole video game series has proven to be. But we will be back next week, starting the holiday season with King Kong. Justin Stewart, thank you for joining me. Until next week, until February for the video game series, game over. Mission accomplished. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Look, I workshop thousands of these a year, and they can't all be gold. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. Bring it on! Too many of them! Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. I know! Isn't it great? Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. It's in a state of crisis. The Galactic Rangers are looking for a new recruit to help... You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Sometimes sacrifices are necessary for the greater good. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. Although I am happy to help with the mission in any capacity, I find this arrangement slightly... You can also join the Now Playing patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. Do we have a deal? You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Hashtag humble brag, hashtag killing it, hashtag no filter, hashtag not a mole. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. I guess I just wanted to do something big. I wanted to matter, you know? Associate produced by Jason Latham. To be a hero, you don't have to do big things. Just the right ones. Now Playing's video game retrospective series is edited by Heath and Arnie. Do they always treat you so poorly? Oh, no. Yes. 
now playing credits read by Brock. I would like to offer my assistance in any way possible. The opinions expressed on now playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Who'd believe whatever we tell him? A moron! Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. I signed a legally binding non-disclosure agreement. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Pretty sweet, right? I guess, but why do I need it? Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2019, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. Okay, pity party's over. Time to get back to work. And Mother's Day, which is all about Julia Roberts in a really bad red wig. I thought Mother's Day was the one with Seth Rogen and Barbara Streisand. Yeah, they're probably in it too. It's one of those Gary Marshall. No, the road movie. So, so no, it's not. I'm confused. But there, there's that road trip movie with Barbara Streisand. I'm thinking of. Oh, yes, there is. I don't make me try to think of it. <laughs> They're very geometric. I'll just put it that way. I can feel the piecemeal connection of the characters. Just because they're geometric doesn't mean that they're not detailed with all of the fur on Sonic. Sonic. All of the fur. <laughs> <Freudian> did <laughs> slip. So anyway, let's get to some kind of climax that, of course, he comes back to the team. Why would he ever leave? No one really understood what that was all about. <laughs> and Quark comes back, too. And I don't understand why they let him so readily. No, he's not. He's still there on the deplanetized. Oh, okay, okay. I thought we were further along. Oh, you wanted me to get to the end? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just skip to the very end. Must we talk about this movie anymore? Sorry. I mean, <laughs>